Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. number one complaint, you've heard it before, is that uh, Christians, we are hypocrites, right? Hypocrites. And hypocrite, it was a word, it, it actually means playing your part on stage, acting, that we don't necessarily practice what we preach, that there's a gap between what we say and what we do, and this is the number one grief filed against the Christian community, is that you are, we are, together we're hypocrites, right? Jesus um, spends a good deal of time yelling at hypocrites. If you've read the Gospels, he doesn't have anything good to say uh, to people who are acting, people who are practicing this religious stuff outwardly and yet neglecting the inward part of it. He doesn't have a lot of kind things to say, but he brings his own definition to what a hypocrite is. So let me let me help you understand, because I know you hear it all the time. Oh, these people are hypocrites. You're a hypocrite. They're hypocrites. Um, Let me help you understand how Jesus defined a hypocrite, how we'll know if we're dealing with a hypocrite. Their their speech and their actions are contrary to one another. Uh, That is what I just said. They don't practice what they preach. Jesus said that they say and they do not. This is the big problem. And this is how Jesus defined a hypocrite. The second thing um, is that when a hypocrite does something right, they do it to be seen. That's how Jesus defined a hypocrite. When they do something right, they do it to be seen. When Oprah does it, she does it on national television. Right? They love status, they love position, they love to be recognized, they love to be thought well of. You can find these definitions of what a hypocrite is in Matthew 6 and Matthew 7. The third thing Jesus said when defining the life of a hypocrite is that they major on minors and they routinely miss the point. They major on minors, they routinely miss the point. He actually said of them that they strained at a gnat. They were effective. They got the gnat out of what they were drinking, but then they swallowed a camel. They major on the minors. The fourth thing he said is that they practice the outward part of religion, but they neglect the inward part. It's all put together on the outside, but it's a mess on the inside. And Jesus had strong words to say to people who were like this. The fifth thing that Jesus said in defining hypocrites is that they're severe with others and they're very lenient with themselves. This is a problem, right? Because they conveniently overlook their own sin in order to point out the sin in others. This is who um, hypocrites are. This is who they were. And with this definition of hypocrites, I would have to agree. I think we are hypocrites. I don't even fight this front anymore. Like if I go to the cellar door to watch a show, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? 
well, I just think Christians are hypocrites. I don't even fight. I'm just like, yeah, I know. But what I do is I add something to it. And, and this is what I would add to the statement, the complaint, the grief that all Christians are hypocrites, is that I would say everyone is a hypocrite. Everyone is acting. Everyone is playing their part. Everyone is fake. So it's not just that Christians are doing these things. It's that everyone is doing these things. We are all hypocrites. And then what I would probably say to that person is that this thing doesn't rise and fall on my performance. I will ask them, was Jesus a hypocrite? Because it's so interesting because you say, hey, you know, are Christians hypocrites? Most people would answer yes. And then you could follow right after that and say, was Jesus a hypocrite? And they would say, no. Was Jesus a hypocrite? No. Are Christians hypocrites? Yes. Was Jesus the real deal? Yes. Are Christians the real deal? No. And this is the problem, is that the world expects more from us. They expect more from us, and our Lord expects more from us. Right? So here's the problem. Everyone's a hypocrite. Not just Christians. We're all hypocrites. But the world expects something more from us because we follow a person who is not. Are we? Yeah. Was Jesus? No. We're all there. So, our city is looking for something real. Our city is looking for something genuine. Our, our city is looking for something authentic. Can we deliver? Our city is looking for something more, right? They expect something more from us. So we at Radiant are unpacking our vision and values. And one of the things that we value is authenticity as a church. We want to, as it says on your bulletin, behold Jesus. We want to put his brilliance on display by living lives that are obedient to the word. And last week we talked about what it means to be something more than just a hearer of the word, but to actually be a doer, to actually walk it out, to actually practice what we preach. We talked about that. But there are a few things that result from a life obedient to the word that we especially value. There are many things that come from a life that is obedient to the word of God. But there are a few things that here at this church we especially value and we especially celebrate. And one of those things is authenticity and the other is risk. And so this week I'm going to talk about authenticity. Next week I'm going to talk about risk because they are things that come from, flow from, are the result of a life that is obedient to the word. And we especially value these things. We celebrate these things. We stand these things up and celebrate them, hoping that it will be reproduced in our church. And one of those things is authenticity. Um, the way that we say it here at the church, and hopefully you'll hear this again, is that we don't just want to know the truth, but we actually want to be true to the truth that we know. We don't want to just have information. We actually want to do something about it. And so we gather together to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
that this is not just an informational download that we've received, but we actually want to act on it. And there's something that something about being together that encourages us to do that. We want to walk the walk, right? We want to be honest. We want to be a group of people that are humble. We want to be a group of people that operate with integrity. Authenticity is kind of a buzzword right now. I guess it's, it's, you could say that it's, it's all the rage. It's trendy right now to be authentic. And I think it's because that it's, it's just desperately needed in a world of, of phony baloney. Just phoniness. It's desperately needed in the world that we live in. Everybody's looking for it, right? There's so many knockoffs. Why buy the real Oakleys when you can buy the knockoff in Mexico, right? Why buy a Stussy shirt when you can get them three for $10 at the swap meet? Why do that? It's funny because we're renovating at this building. And, uh, and I went yesterday to buy some quarter round. Uh, and quarter round is a trim piece for the floor. And the quarter round that I got is made out of, I have no idea what. I mean, it's cardboard. Pretty sure it's cardboard. Same stuff your McDonald's patty is made out of. That's what they made. <laughs> I don't judge. I'll eat there right after here. I'm not. That wasn't a judgment. And then it is wrapped right in, in, a, in a wood wallpaper, a veneer. It's so cheap. I mean, and I bought it knowing this, this may last a year. And what's funny is that I brought it to a building that's 100 years old. And, 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 and everyone, as we've demoed this building, we're like, look at that wood. They just don't make wood like that anymore. You know, Harry Weiss is especially geeky about wood. It's like, look at the look at the cut of the blade. You know, it's like, look at the grain on the end. You know, it just doesn't. That's an old tree they cut down, and they don't let us cut down old trees. And you know, it's just it's just like the real deal. And one of the things that we say to each other is like, look how old this is. It's really a two by four. <laughs> because if you don't know this, two by fours are not two by four. They're not two inches. They're not four inches. We've shrunk them down. So one of the things we say is we're like, look at this 2 by 12. Look how straight it is. Look how true it is. And it's 2 by 12. It's not just the name 2 by 12. It's literally 2 by 12. And here I come, you know, with my wallpapered cardboard. <laughs> Can you guys install this, you know? But it's like we've got this thirst for something authentic, right? Just this, can you believe it? It's, 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 this is real wood, you know? <laughs> Can you believe it? This is real food. We got real food, you know? But there's this thirst for something authentic. Uh, people say of our church, the feedback I, got, I get often is that Radiant Church is authentic. They say things like, oh, it's just so real. I like that Radiant Church is real. That's, that's probably the feedback that I received, I received, I receive most. And, and I want to clear something up, <laughs> because if our church is real, 
if if we have lived up to that and 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 if this is authentic if it this is real it's only because we're willing to admit how inauthentic we are and this is what i want to say to you this morning is that authenticity is being willing to admit how inauthentic you really are that if we've got something real here it's only because there are people willing to stand up and say, I'm not being real here. I made that up. I lied. I was faking it. I thought you wanted to hear that, so I said that. If that That's it, guys. This is my definition of authenticity. Being willing to admit how inauthentic you are. That's it. So my question for you this morning is, do you confess or do you conceal? Do you confess or do you conceal? Are you really transparent? I know we're all in love with the idea of transparency. We all want to see something real and genuine, authentic. Are you a transparent? What are you hiding? Why are you hiding? Do you conceal or do you confess? Because... This word authentic never appears in Scripture. We're never directly told to be authentic. So it may seem kind of weird to you that one of our values is to be obedient to the Word, and then one of the things that we want to do is something that is not in the Word. But we're never told in Scripture to be authentic. We're told to love the truth. We're told to confess our sins. We're told to humble ourselves. We're told to trust in Jesus as our Savior and not try to save ourselves by hiding and concealing who we really are. So the question is not, are you authentic or not? Or are you transparent or not? But my question this morning comes from Proverbs 28, 13, when it says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Do you conceal your sin? Do you hide it? Or are you honest and do you confess your sin? And I love that the writer of Proverbs, which is, I mean, was obviously a wise man inspired um, by God, writes that we, ought, we not only need to be the people who confess our sin, but also renounce. Do you, are you in the habit of confessing sin? And are you in the habit of renouncing it as well? Because I find that sometimes that we can just confess our sin to relieve the pressure that we feel and then go right back into it. So it's not just a confession that we're looking for as a real and genuine, authentic church. It's that we confess our sin and we also renounce it. We, can, we confess it because we want to turn from it, not buy some more time in it. So it is our nature to conceal. Again, I don't have to teach anyone to do this. I don't know why it comes so naturally to me to hide. I don't know why it comes so naturally to my kids. But we hide. It's what we do. We conceal. Genesis, which is a book about beginnings, tells the story of Adam and Eve, Right? You've heard the story before, they screw up, and then what do they do? 
They break the command. They break the law. They hide. Their nakedness is exposed, so they start stitching stuff together to cover themselves. And I wish that I could say that only happened then. But it's the reality now that we run, we hide, and we start stitching stuff together to cover ourselves. No longer covered by Him and His mercy, we've stepped outside of that, and we've got our own covering, right? We've traded in the God of the universe who promises to cover us for a fig leaf. That's what we'll trust to cover our nakedness. So, uh, again, this is just in the first couple chapters of Genesis. I just want to reveal to you or share with you that the book of beginnings talks about us hiding, concealing, and that it's our nature that we do this. Because Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve have two kids, right? Not two kids, but they've got kids, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. And then God comes to Cain and says, where's Abel? And Cain goes, I don't know. I'm not my brother's babysitter. He says, am I my brother's keeper? This is God talking right now to him. I don't know. Am I supposed to watch this guy? It's our nature to conceal. It's our nature to hide. It's what we do. I don't have to talk you out of it. Today, I want to talk to you about confessing your sin and exposing who you really are. Letting yourself be seen. Most days, I don't know about you guys, but we say that we follow Jesus. Yeah, what's most important to me is Jesus, following Jesus. But the truth is, is that what's most important to many of us is looking good, being right, and staying comfortable. Because when Jesus, who we say we follow, asks us to do something, where we don't look right, we don't look good, and it's uncomfortable, we choose looking good, being right, and staying comfortable over what our Lord says to us. Most days, for all of us, I I wish I could say this wasn't true of Christians, but it's true for me. Most days, I'm motivated not by following Jesus, but by staying comfortable, I want it bad, looking good, I want to save face, and being right, I, I just love being right. Right? Don't you? Listen. If what you want is to look good, stay comfortable, and be right, you're following the wrong guy. you got the wrong religion. Go somewhere else. Follow something else. That is not what we signed up for when we signed up to follow Jesus. I was right 12 times all of last year, probably. Twelve times might be an exaggeration. And here's the problem is that I was wrong ten out of those twelve in the way that I was right. So I was right and then I was wrong about the way that I was right. So therefore, I was actually right two times all of last year. This is what it means to follow Jesus. I'm rarely right. I rarely look good. And I'm rarely comfortable. This is what, that's what we sign up for when we sign up to trust in Jesus and to follow Him, right? So He will mess this up for you. He will ask you to do things that don't make you look good. Like say, it's my fault. I screwed up. Why do we resist that? Why isn't it that easy to say that? Why is it a dogfight 
to not be right. I love being right so much. When people say it, when they finally say, you know what, Travis, you're right. I'm like, yes, yes. I just love that. I just drink it in. Say it again. I want that so bad, you know. We want that so bad. We want that so bad that we'll ignore evidence or suppress evidence that would fly in the face of us being right. Well, the the liberal media, uh, you know, uh, we just don't want what we think to be confronted. We'll ignore things because we want so desperately to be right. To follow Jesus means that we won't often be right, that we won't often be comfortable, and that we won't often look good, but we'll be alive on this adventure with Him, right? I, I think this is crazy, but, but people will destroy relationships with people they love because they'd rather be right than be in right relationship. They'll actually destroy a relationship with someone they love because they're so committed to being right. They want to be right more than they want to be in right relationship with that person. That's what they want. And this is what gets confronted in us when Jesus says, hey, I want you to confess your sin. Hey, will I look good when I do that? Mm, probably not. Hey, that's uncomfortable for me. Yeah, I get it. Hey, will I be right? No, probably not. So the question before us, the fork in the road, will you follow him or will you work to look good, be right, and stay comfortable? Concealing your sin will help you do those things. I think that's why we love to conceal our sin. You look good. Hey, everything seems to be going well. He's got a polo shirt on. He seems to look good, you know. It'll help you look good. You'll look like you have it together. You'll stay comfortable because you'll avoid all those uncomfortable conversations. And you'll be right. You don't have to say you're sorry. And so concealing your sin, if you want to look good, stay comfortable, be right, it'll help you do that. Confessing your sin will fly in the face of those things. Let me now tell great stories about confessing my sin. Because it is a high value for us. It really is. It's what we do as a church. Um, this is it. We confess our sin and then we celebrate that. We confess it. We renounce it. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. Some people love that about this church. Some people hate that. They think that I as a pastor shouldn't be talking that way. And I wrestle with my own temptation that if you really knew this about me, you wouldn't respect me enough to follow me. But I fight that temptation. And I share what's really going on because I think it really serves the church. So, you won't look good. Brandon Cook spoke here probably six weeks ago. Is that right? Do you guys remember the tall guy with glasses? Um, I, I think he preached the message of the year. I mean, I, I thought it was unreal. And, and you can see why I like Brandon. I really like Brandon. He's He's smart. Um, I, I really enjoy my relationship with him. So about a year ago, I meet Brandon in Valencia. We have a conversation together. And at the end of kind of our time of hanging out, talking about, hey, what's going on in your church? You know, this, that, and the other. 
what's going on in your church. And this is, this is uh, specifically a temptation amongst like pastors or people who work in the same field that you do. But one of the things that I said to Brandon in passing is I just made this cheap comment like, yeah, I probably read like a book a week. I probably read like a book a week. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, probably. You know? <laughs> and the truth is, or what I told myself was, there are some weeks where I do read a book a week. I read a lot. And that's what I kept telling myself. But guess what the Holy Spirit was telling me? You lied. <laughs> and not only did you lie, but you lied to impress Him. And you are faking it to get something from Him. So I ignored that voice. I listened to the one that kept telling me, you do read a lot. You read a lot. You're quite the reader. One year, one year, later, uh, one year later, we're driving up to the Sequoias just six weeks ago. We're driving up to the Sequoias, and I'm like, I just am like, oh, this is never going to get easier than this. I mean, it's been a year. He doesn't even remember that I said it. And we're riding, driving up to the Sequoias, talking, and I'm like, Brandon? And he's like, yes, Travis? I was like, a year ago, I told you that I read a book a week, and that was a lie. I don't read a book a week, and the reason I said that was to impress you so that you would think highly of me. And he just kind of looked at me, and he's like, I don't remember that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then what Brandon said to me was, but I do remember this. I remember saying something similar. I remember feeling like I got caught, like you knew what was really going on for me. And I remember coming home and telling Becca, I made a fool out of myself in front of Travis. I said these things. I didn't even know those things. And so here we are in the back of the minivan, getting car sick together. Just, hey, a year ago, I made this up. And here's the deal. I didn't look good. It was embarrassing. But what I got out of it was what I really wanted. You see, because I was concealing my sin... Because I wanted connection with Brandon. When what was available to me was a connection with Brandon through confession and exposing my sin. And so I would say Brandon and I have a better relationship now that we're not pretending to read a book a week, pretending to know more than we do. And I know this is a part of your work world as well. You won't be comfortable when you confess your sin. It won't be comfortable. I mean, I was thinking, I felt like a seventh grade dance in the back of my minivan. Like, I am not going to ask her to dance. I mean, I just sweaty. Like, I can't do this. I can't walk across the room and tell Brandon a year ago I lied to him. There was nothing about it that was comfortable. And I wasn't right. I was fake with him. I can tell you a, a few other stories. Uh, this one's more serious because I know we can laugh about that one. And I know there's certain things that God would ask you to confess that aren't really funny. Um, but I remember getting a phone call from a mom 
and she wanted me to meet with her son. Her son was quite a bit younger than me. And she wanted me to meet with her son um, because her son was struggling with pornography. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll meet with your son. I was 19, uh, maybe 20 years old, working as the, the youth pastor. And very much in my own process of, of walking out of the sin and shame that surrounded sexuality. Very much trying to walk out of this stuff. And here's this mom calling, would you meet with my son? He's quite a bit younger, but I caught him looking at this stuff. Would you talk to him? And I found myself thinking, like, well, what would I say to him about this? And I actually had a memory as I was talking. Um, as I was talking to her, I had a memory of doing things that were inappropriate in her backyard as a young boy. Most of it was very innocent. I was young, and it had nothing to do with her son, and I assured her of that. But I got off the phone with her, and I felt like, look, a lot of this stuff was innocent. A lot of it could be chalked up as just young kids discovering things. But it was a very real memory for me, and I felt like I was supposed to confess it. I felt like I wasn't supposed to conceal it any longer. That it may have been innocent, it may have been a part of everyone's childhood, but it was bringing shame in my life and death. And so I phoned her back, I said, yeah, I'll meet with your son, but I just want you to know that I had this memory. It doesn't involve your son, um, but I had these memories, and I just wanted to confess them to you. And I feel like it's supposed to help me in this, kind of uncover and um, help people see who I really am. Thank you for sharing. Click. You know, of course she doesn't want me to meet with her son. You know, she wanted someone who had the answers, not who struggled with the issues. That's what she wanted. So I, I could tell you funny stories, you know. I could also tell you very serious stories about what happens when we're honest about who we really are and what's really plaguing us. And I know as I bring this up that there's stuff there for you. Where you feel forgiven by God, but you're not totally healed. A modest mouse concert at the Fox. I see a guy, and uh, he too is in ministry. And... Uh, <clears throat> and I, I'm sitting behind him. I know who he is. I know his name. I know what he does. And he turns around, and he says, you know, hey, Travis, my name is, and I pretend like I don't know who he is. I just pretended like, yeah, I don't know you. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Just lied. And I did that so that I would feel more important than him. I did that because I felt like him knowing my name um, proved something about who I was, that I was more important than he was. And I had to phone him a week later and tell him, at this concert when we met, I knew who you were. Uh, I knew your name. I knew what you were up to. And I pretended to not know who you were because I thought that made me feel a little bit more important or that I didn't really have time to get to know somebody's name who was just less than. So... There's the funny, and then there's the pretty serious, pretty heavy stuff that can be confessed. When people, um, you know, when, when people talk about growing, 
um, in their relationship or growing to trust Jesus, um, they'll usually talk about things that happened in their lives that, that led to this place of actually trusting in or relying on Jesus. And most people will talk about the personal, like personal disciplines. Like, well, it, it became real for me, or I really started to trust Jesus when I started to set my alarm a little early, and I wasn't just praying together with a group of people, but I actually engaged him in prayer. Sometimes they'll bring up, you know, it was like I started to read the Bible for myself. That's when I started to grow in trust with Jesus, when my relationship with him started to grow. Trust is what causes a relationship to grow. Trust is what causes a relationship to grow. Show me a relationship that's growing, I will show you a relationship that's growing in trust. Show me a relationship that's shrinking, and I'll show you a relationship with broken trust. Trust is the currency of relationship. Right? And I think there's something directly connected to confession and trusting and growing in Jesus. And it played a pivotal role in my life. It was an essential part of learning to trust Jesus. Because who are we trusting when we hide? It puts us out there. I mean, we're vulnerable. We're exposed. We have to trust in Him. And your relationship with Him will grow when you trust in Him, when you count on Him to protect you, when you count on Him to be, as Tiffany read, a refuge for you, where you're not trying to hide and cover yourself, but you're trusting Jesus to cover you. Such a huge part of the life of this church. We planted this church because we got a prophecy that said, the prophecy said this, the tent will rise again. In 2004, I received a prophecy that said the tent will rise again, the tent was something I was a part of in 1999. And it was a group of guys who just got together. We literally couldn't even sing the worship songs because they felt like overstatements. And no one wanted to sing and say things to Jesus that they wouldn't even say to their own mom. So we couldn't worship. All we did was go around in a circle and confess our sin and pray for one another. That's what we did. It was a huge part of starting this church, right? The reason it was a huge part of starting this church is because it was modeled for me. Beach camps in my youth group where we would come together and there was no speaker. People were grabbing the mic, sharing, exposing, confessing, renouncing their sin. And the speaker didn't even get a chance to speak. And then people would cover each other, pray for each other. And we all grew because we were trusting in Jesus. I can remember in my youth group, Tim Ainley, youth group, Tim Ainley, hopping up in front of the youth group and saying that while flipping through the, st the stations on cable, he stopped too long on a station that he shouldn't have been on. And I was like, whoa, this just got real. There's no, there's no um, you know, relay race. I thought we were going to play Chubby Bunny. And now, <laughs> now the youth pastor is confessing to a group of youth, right? that I'm sure Tim was wrestling with the same fears. I can't share this. And maybe some of you are sitting here thinking to yourself, that's inappropriate. And, I, and maybe, maybe it was totally inappropriate. I'm forever changed by it. I can tell you the story again, right now, very clearly. I remember it because I remember thinking, what? This is real? We don't just get together and pretend? Like we can actually, this is a safe place to share and confess 
and there's leaders who are leading the way in that? What? I don't know if you're sitting here going like, Travis, like why? Why would I ever do the things that you're talking about doing? I feel sick to my stomach even right now just thinking about opening up about what's going on in my life. So let me help you with a little bit of the why. The first one is that when we confess to God, we receive forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, hiding, concealing, running. These are ways to save yourself. You're trying to save your face, save reputation. You're trying to maybe save your marriage is what you're telling yourself by not opening up about what's really going on. Here's the deal. Is that if you can do the job of Savior, guess what? You don't get one. Congratulations. If you can effectively, in your mind, save yourself, congratulations, you don't get a Savior. If you think you got this and you can save yourself, you miss out on experiencing Jesus Christ as your Savior. When we confess to others, we receive healing. When we confess to God, we receive forgiveness. When we confess to others, we receive healing. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something totally essential to confessing your sin to another. There's something totally vital in this healing process for you. If that's not enough and you're still wondering, Travis, why the heck would I do this? It sounds awful. Let me read the rest of this passage that we read from earlier. This is from 1 John. And, and actually, we'll start in verse 5, the second slide. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live out of the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. Here's the gist of this verse. This is why I want you to see this. We confess for the purpose of connecting. This is why we do what we do. This is why I'm encouraging you to not conceal, not hide, but to confess and be honest about what's going on in your life. Is because we confess for the purpose of connecting. And what, first, what John tells us here is that if you'll confess, not only will you connect with God, but you'll connect with others. And here, here's the big idea, and I'll come back to it, is that most of us are hiding, most of us are concealing, most of us are not sharing who we really are, because what we desperately want is connection. And we fear that if people really knew what was really going on for us, that we'd be rejected. That's what you fear. So you think that connection, the type of connection, the type of significant connection that you want, is available through concealing, pretending, faking it and not talking about what's really going on. And this is what John is saying, is that the connection that you want most, 
to be known by people and to connect with God and to connect with others is possible. It's available to you and it's available through confession, not through concealing. It's, it's there for you. And, and this, should make, this should make perfect sense to us, this backwards approach, because we get it all throughout Scripture. It's like, it's like John saying, do the thing that is counterintuitive. If what you want most is connection with God and connection with people, then confess your sin and face what could be potential rejection. What? I thought that I was supposed to keep it together, that I was supposed to smile, that I was supposed to look good. I thought this is what led to the type of connection I want with God and want with people. No, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. Take this, take this approach. Be a mess. Share the mess. Say what's really going on, and you'll have what you want most, connection with God and connection with people. Wait a second. Wait a second. I, I want those things. You're telling me those things aren't available through faking it, concealing, hiding. No, they're not available. What you want most, what you desire most, the significant connection you want, not available. Not available through pretending. Not available through withholding who you really are. Only available by letting people see who you really are. We should be used to this backward approach right now, right? Because the last will be first. Jesus is like, hey, if you want to be the greatest, that's not a bad desire. That's fine. I'll tell you how to be the greatest. Be the least. And you're like, what? That, is not, that was not the road. That was not my approach, you know? Hey, look, if you want to be rich, I'll tell you what to do. It's not bad. Not a bad idea. What we're going to do is we're going to be poor. We'll be poor and you'll be rich. No, 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 no. That wasn't it. So here he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want connection? I know you want connection. I made you for connection. Confess. Confess your sin. Be forgiven by God and have community with others. What? I'm going to be rejected by others. And God, you know, we don't even have to get into the God part because God already knows. It's just a joke. <laughs> Where's Abel? I don't know. Am I his keeper? So here's my encouragement to you. Last thing, my last charge. If you're going to confess your sin, go big. And simultaneously go little. I'll explain that. When you're going to confess your sin, go big. Okay? Make it count. If you're going to shoot Old Yeller, don't shoot him in the leg. Okay? Put him down. Put him down. I'm serious. Don't, no, don't be so vague. Be specific. Because you won't be free if you share this kind of vague crap. Well, I'm just struggling. With what? You know, with guy stuff. What's guy stuff? Go big. Be specific. Don't be vague. If you're going to do it, then do it. Don't do some version of it. If you're going to put them down, put it down. Be honest if you're going to be honest. Don't pretend to be honest. Here's the other thing. Go little. And what I mean by that is that confess your sin when it seems small and insignificant. Because... I want to create here a climate where it's, it's okay to confess your sin early. Early. Because I don't want you to go big. I don't want you to go big and say, you know, I've committed adultery on my spouse. I want you to come early. And I want you to say, hey, I feel attracted to this person. And I can tell 
that there are needs being met inside of me through conversation with this person. I can tell that they care about me in a way that my husband or my wife doesn't care about me. And I can tell that something's going on here. I want you to come early when it seems little and insignificant, right? When you're just wrestling with the temptation because there's a thousand small steps that lead to a screw-up. But we never talk about it. We're talking about the vision and values of Radiant Church, where we hope to be in five years. These are the things that we're going to do in order to be here, right? And you have vision and values for your own life. You do. You have vision and values for your own life. How many would say today, raise your hand, I have vision, uh, I've got my own vision statement, it's to behold Jesus, to put his brilliance on display by being divorced in five years. That's what I'm going for, you know? I want to behold Jesus, put his brilliance on display by uh, a massive porn addiction. That's what I'm shooting for. No one, no one would fill that out. No one would say those things. But I'm telling you that there are small steps, small decisions being made right now. And this will be your life. This will be your vision. This will be what you value if you don't confess early. So go big. Go little. I thought about playing some music at the end of our service to provide a little bit of mood music to make this easier than it is. But it's never going to be easier than it is right now. It'll only get tougher to open up about what's really going on for you. So I, I, I expect... And I desire you to find someone and confess your sin to them. How long has it been since you've publicly opened up about who you are and let someone see what's really going on inside of you? Some of you women are at tables in a women's Bible study. Amazing place to open your life. Some of you are in growth groups. I mean, take, take uh, Brent Stahl out back, you know, and say, Brent, this is what's really going on for me if you feel like it's not appropriate to share it in that group. But look. Do something drastic. If you think something small is going to change it, you're fooling yourself. Because if something small was going to change it, it would have happened already. Go big and go little. Talk about the little stuff. Would you stand? We're going to pray. Oh, man. Holy Spirit, I pray for strength. I want to ask that you'd come and convict us of sin. Look, we don't have to flip over any rocks. We just need not ignore you any longer. If you're like racking your brain, well, what is it for me? You don't have to do that. Just stop resisting the Holy Spirit. He's really good at doing his job. You don't need to do it for him. I also want to thank you, Jesus, for your promise to save us. That we don't have to save ourselves by covering our nakedness. We don't have to save ourselves by pretending. We don't have to save ourselves by lying. We can be honest before you. Thank you for your Bible, which is so brutally honest. I just wouldn't have even told the story that way. It's such an invitation for us to be honest about what's really going on. Thank you for loving that. You don't just tolerate that, God. You demand that. Like, I need this. If you're going to come to me, you humble yourself and you be honest. I thank you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and can help us do what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're here this morning and you know, like, yeah, this is something I need to practice, uh, do, do not come back here. 
Remember, we're walking this out. We're going to be obedient to the word. Do it. Do it. Don't be a hearer. Do this. And if you're here this morning and you know something's really up for you right now, like you were having a hard time not just falling apart as I was talking, Mark is here. I'm here. Tiffany is here. Kathleen is here. Monica, Brent, Matt. These are people up here who are safe people to share and confess your sin with. So please do not leave if you're messed up. See you guys. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. find Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea and all the beautiful things here in life